as humans have to grow. The process of growth brings you joy. So as long as you're continuing to reach towards growth in some level, that's where the fulfillment comes from. Reaching yeah. the goal. It's not the goal. Yeah. It's not the finish line. It's the process to get to the finish line that brings you satisfaction. Welcome to the Frugal Fit Mom podcast. This episode this week is a replay from a podcast episode I did with my good friend, Tyler. Tyler's a super interesting guy. He owns several successful businesses, is a CrossFit coach, actually taught me quite a bit about Olympic weightlifting and how to do CrossFit correctly. He has his pilot's license and is married and has a few kids as well. Tyler's podcast that he has is called Everything and More and does a ton of long form interviews. If you would like to check it out, I will leave the info in the show notes. And without further ado, here is me and Tyler having a nice conversation between friends. Okay, I'm looking at this Chris Farley picture. I just used a clip of him from SNL in one of my videos. It's the the air quotes. You know? <laughs> yes. <laughs> so I don't bathe properly and I don't uh, make friends easily, you know, that that bit. I used to watch SNL all the time. I, I miss him. Like <laughs> there are very few people, celebrities that die and I'm like, oh, sad. That's so sad. He's, he's Chris one Farley. of them. Mm -hmm. I'm maybe not the greatest parent, but I watched Billy Madison with our kids the other day, and I had to fast forward through some parts for yes. him. And um, Chris I... Farley's the best driver. <laughs> yeah. He Those is. dang kids. I just I just had my older two watch Wayne's World. Oh yeah. Just recently, because Dave and I are are Wayne and Garth for Halloween. Yeah. So I it wasn't as bad as I remember, but I did fast forward a little bit. I'm. I'm not overprotective, but, yeah. but you know, I'm careful with what I bring in the house. And he's the security guard with the random information. He has such a short clip in that movie, but it's so funny. Yeah, he was great. Yeah, really brilliant. Yeah. Uh, Rob Lowe. I love him. So he was on a podcast, I believe it was with Joe Rogan. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> and he said every single time that he was with Chris Farley, Chris was high. Yeah, like, I believe it. Not one time was Chris not high. Which is sad because he probably had some like major demons in his life, you know, stuff he's going through. Usually drug addicts aren't just doing it because they really love the drugs. Mm -hmm. There's something deeper there. And then for him to just die so early. I don't even know sad. how old he was, but he was so young. He was in his 30s. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I saw a clip, um, one of those late night shows or whatever with him and David Spade, yeah. like early on their SNL career. And it was obvious that Chris Farley was way over tripping big time yeah. he was just all over the place i mean he's really funny i don't even know what he took i don't I know either know I'm, I'm sure like cocaine heroin at I least i have no like, idea you know they talk about eight ball i don't know much about drugs i should have researched you, drugs you know what i this. i actually don't know a lot about drugs yeah drugs, so i couldn't say i know but. all of the joe rogan drugs like the mushrooms and oh and okay that, but, okay um yeah, I'm, I'm sure. I mean, cocaine and heroin and that sort of thing. Methamphetamines. I'm I don't sure know what was big back then. Yeah. I don't know what's big now. Meth, probably. Yeah, and fentanyl now. Yeah, Fentanyl's I've a heard scary that. One. They even, you know, they, every year they talk about like, hey, watch for razor blades in your kid's candy. But this year it's like, watch for fentanyl in your kid's candy. It's oh, pretty crazy. That's, that's messed up. Yeah. I think in our area we're a little sheltered from that. Yes. Like, I don't know if... Uh, a bishop of a church is going to give fentanyl to a, a little kid. But. I would suspect... <laughs> Usually not. Yeah. Usually not. But you got to watch those guys, too. <laughs> so. You can't trust anybody these days. Yeah. That was a good Chris Farley chat for a minute there. Yeah, I um, do love him. I, I do, too. The only, not to keep celebrities going, but the only other person that I could think of right now that if they died, I would be really sad is Joe Rogan. And you. Oh, my. I mean, obviously, me. like, <laughs> we're, we're talking YouTube celebrities and podcast people, um, you know, Joe Rogan and you. Okay, well, I appreciate that you would be sad if I died. Yeah. Um, yeah, I like Joe Rogan a lot. I, I really enjoy listening to him because when he talks to people, he really listens. Yeah. And he asks really interesting questions, and I think it's fascinating to listen to him. Uh, I was pretty bummed when Robin Williams died. Yeah. Oh, yeah, um, true. Because he was, you know, I grew up with him. You're, you're a little younger than me, but you probably also grew up mm -hmm. watching all of his movies. So that one bummed me out. And, and it's weird because people think, like, if you're Robin Williams, you're on the top of the world. 
you know, if you're Joe Rogan, you're on the top of the world. If you're Heath Ledger, you're on the top of the world. You got everything you've ever wanted. Um, I think it goes to show that what you see is not really what's going on. Yeah. And what were they reaching for? Oh, that's because a good question. Because let's say they reached that $100 million mark that they mm -hmm. wanted to hit. And they get it and they're like, oh, crap, I'm, I'm not happy. You know, I've done a ton of research recently on how... <laughs> how horrible humans are at knowing uh, what makes them happy and going after those things. We think X, Y, Z, like a dollar amount. If I make blah, blah, blah dollars, that's when I'll be happy. Or if I have this house or this car or these shoes or, or go on this trip or what, this many followers on Instagram or TikTok or YouTube or whatever it is, that you'll be happy. 99% of the time, that is not true. Yeah. So we really suck. Yeah. at knowing what makes us happy. I've, I've done a deep dive into this topic yeah. recently. Well, and it's cool too, because as, as you're reaching different levels of success, it's cool that you're actually looking into that to make sure that you don't fall into that. Mm -hmm. Little personal story, you know, we, we did pretty well on some cryptocurrency trades. Yes, I did and know that. We, we had a couple of really good years. And on paper, it would be like, whoa, like you really, you really made it. Mm -hmm. um, then we got hit with taxes, which was a little different thing. We're <laughs> taxes still, are so fun. Yes, they're great. Still going to pay the IRS for a while. But what was so interesting to me, and I've actually never, I've never really said this publicly because you know I'm like with material possessions, I'm kind of more, I don't tell people a lot uh, about your material. About me, my, you know, my my stuff. I would say your stuff's fairly unpresumptuous. Yeah, yeah. You know, you're not flashy. Yeah. You're not flashy. That's what it is. Yeah. So I don't really talk about it much, but I guess I'm getting here. You know, so we remodel our house and, and bought a small airplane. And, you know, from the outside, it's like, man, they have made it. But I wasn't happy. Well, <laughs> you weren't happy before or after the remodel, the house remodel? No, I was I was happy reaching that level of success. Mm -hmm. And then we reached it. Mm -hmm. And I was like, where is it? Where, where, where is this that I've been searching? Like I've been striving for this mm -hmm. and it's not here. It was kind of the same, like when I became an EMT and then a paramedic and then a critical care paramedic, I get to the, the top as far as you can go as a paramedic. And I was like, I'm unhappy. I have to quit my job. Okay. This is I've identified five things that people need to be happy or fulfilled or have joy. Okay. One of them is what you're talking about. It is growth. We as humans have to grow. The process of growing and becoming better in whatever way, physically, your, uh, your job, your financial success, building your family, whatever it is, the process of growth brings you joy. Yeah. So as long as you're continuing to reach towards growth in some level, that's where the fulfillment comes from, reaching yeah. the goal. It's not the goal. Yeah. It's not the finish line. It's the process to get to the finish line that brings you satisfaction. Yeah. So you were happy on the journey, but once you got there and it was over, you're like, well, now what? Yeah. yeah and I put in a lot of effort to get there. Mm -hmm. I don't want to put in so much effort anymore. Maybe you don't put it in that area. Maybe yeah. you put it in a different area, but that's a key component into people's fulfillment in life. Yeah. People that are the most miserable are the ones that sit on the couch and like scroll on their phones. Yeah. They don't do anything. What are you actually doing to make yourself better? Yeah. Read a book, go make some money, start a business, make some friends, do something. Yeah. There's something so powerful about just, we all have value. Now, how can we add that value to the world? Mm -hmm. You know, and, and not to get all into like school and what's good and bad with school, but we're really not, not, we're not taught to learn. We're taught to memorize. We're taught to regurgitate, but we're not taught to learn. And so when it comes down to it, a, even a kid graduating a grade, it's kind of like, what did I do? get out of that i don't know something that we could probably teach our kids a little we're going deep it's good. <laughs> good stuff i have i have noticed that with my kids you know all my kids are in public school and uh, my oldest is a senior we're doing college applications right yeah. now my next one down is in 10th grade we're heavy into high school and stuff and i have they, they get good grades they're good students but man for the most part they cannot problem solve yeah they can't write an essay they can't read a book and do a character analysis very well. They can't look at a problem and find the simplest solution. They can't express a thought concisely. As I've been watching that, I'm trying to coach my kids in how to communicate better. These are 
you know, maybe not on paper skills, but you got soft skills yeah. that are really, really important. So I'm trying, but you know, it's a challenge. Being a parent's a challenge. Yeah. It's way hard. It's like you get to babysit them for three years and then you kind of get to teach them some stuff and then you have to actually parent. Yes. And it's like, yeah. wait, I was never taught how to be a parent. I, no. I was taught to be a babysitter, <laughs> but I'm not taught yes. to be a parent. Yeah. Where's, where's that instruction yeah. manual? There's some good resources out there. And, um, there's a book called the power of showing up. I don't mm-hmm. know if you've heard of that. I, I do know the concept. Yes. Yeah. Just really good. It's about attachment theory. And when I read that book, um, I'm like, oh yeah, I'm a good dad. Like that, which is cool to, you know, just to verbalize a little bit. I like, don't know. I don't know what makes you a good parent. What makes you a good parent? Ooh, ooh. I think this is what it is. When you raise kids that other people can stand to be around. Yes. You have been a good parent. Yeah, like I that. agree with that. Yep. 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 Or raising um, productive humans. Yeah. You yeah. Know. I think that's good. And, too. and in order to be productive, they usually have to be able to have some sort of social. It's uh, it's really hard to do. Yeah. Um, so really quick, going back to just success levels and everything and kind of reaching that point and then, and then getting to, well, quick example, there's Lex Friedman. He's a podcaster. Mm-hmm. He was <clears throat> interviewing kind of a master jujitsu guy and the, he, he's trained just tons of elite athletes that win. And Lex Friedman is a high level MIT guru guy. And he, he said there is this scientific correlation with winning and depression. As soon as you go win that gold medal, you are instantly depressed because you go, now what? Now what? Which is what we were talking about. Mm -hmm. Have you felt any of that in coming up through your YouTube years? Probably earlier on when I was highly focused on numbers, how many views, how many subscribers, how many, you know, you think if I, if I get to a hundred thousand, you know, you get the play button then, then I'll know I've done something, but the goalposts keep moving Yeah. because there's always someone bigger. There's always someone that's more creative. There's always someone that gets more views than you. There's new people coming up every day. So I've, I'd say the last year I've taken a step back from the numbers on any given day. I don't know how many subscribers I have a a general idea. I don't know. I don't know how many views a video gets. I don't know how many likes it gets. I don't know how many comments it gets because those things just make me crazy. Yeah. The thing that is the best for me mentally that I've found in the last year is being with people, my friends, my family, meeting new people and putting my phone down and going outside. Yeah. So I have really tried to go to places, mountain bike, hike, do vacations where I have no cell service. I don't have a choice. I have to put it down. And focus on, I'm going to call it my real life. Yeah. The people in my real life. I don't want to be sucked into this virtual life that's not real. You know the movie Ready Player One? Yeah. It was a book, but it's a movie. Mm-hmm. So I enjoyed the movie, just FYI. But my dad hated it. Because the fake world became more important than the real world. Yeah. So I do see the correlation there. And I think that's really, really important to distinguish. That the internet social media, while fun, it's what I do. Yeah. It's not, it's not real life, right? My kids, my friends, my husband, my sister, my mom, my brother, that's my, that's my circle. That's my group. Right. And I can't ignore what's right in front of me for a virtual life. It's, It's so, so important. I can't stress it enough. Like how important it is sometimes to just put the social media down. Yeah. Well, and still talking parenting a little bit, that's, you say, what makes a great parent? That also makes a great parent. Teach your kids what the real world is. Mm -hmm. A lot of times they really don't know. So I'm unique in the fact that I don't allow my kids to have cell phones until they drive. It's more of a safety issue. They don't have any social media. Yeah. Haley's allowed to have Pinterest and Strava. Oh yeah. But she's not on Facebook. There's no Instagram. There's no Snapchat, no TikTok, no YouTube account, zero. (laughs) There's a few of them. I was like, if I have, if I find these apps on your, like these social media apps, I will take your phone and break it and you will not get it back because I know the danger of being sucked into that life when you're so young and you, you have a hard time distinguishing reality from the internet. And you, I mean, let's be honest, teenagers are, a little brain dead. 
Yeah. <laughs> they don't make yeah. great choices. The brains aren't fully developed from a scientific perspective. They don't fully develop until you're 27. So you need to give them some time to mature a little bit before you throw these highly addictive things in front of them. I know a 40, 50, 60 year olds that cannot manage this. Yep. So it's kind of new. You know, I got my first smartphone in 2012, so only, yeah. only 10 years. Yeah. It's, it's crazy. It's how only fast. been around for 10 years and the whole world has changed. Yep. So I think, I don't know, I'm pretty strict in my house. As soon as they move out, obviously they can do whatever they want. Yeah. But I hope, you know, my kids have watched me do social media for five years now. I'm hoping they can see. Uh, the behind the scenes of it. Yeah. They don't show any interest in doing it themselves yeah. right now. Well, it one, it's tough. Little kids want to do it. And they're like, I would love to be a YouTube star. I want to be Mr. Beast. But you don't see how much time and effort and work and failure and winning and failure and winning and, you know, goes into it. It is the ultimate hike up a really steep, rocky mountain. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And Mr. Beast is an interesting guy. I've actually never seen one of his videos, not one, but <laughs> me neither. I've never watched one of his videos, but I watched an interview with him recently where he talked about business and, and his video creation and his uh, frugal lifestyle when he makes so much money. Yeah. And it was fascinating. He's a fascinating guy hoping he went to vid summit this year. He was one of the speakers I'm going next year. So I'm hoping he'll be back. I'd love to like, well, I don't know if he'll do a meet and greet with people but i'd love to just like listen to his business thoughts yeah because he's super interesting and he's young he's super young so it, it comes very natural to him or he has a very good mentor here's what dave said dave my husband for those that don't know is uh he has no family okay <laughs> which is why he can basically live in his studio yeah and I think he has a girlfriend, but he doesn't have like kids or a ton of responsibility, which gives him the freedom yeah. to to invest all this time and all this money into this project that he has, you know, of creating all of these things. My kids keep cramping my style. I <laughs> kids, I could be so much bigger if do you, you didn't. Do you know what I could do <laughs> if, <laughs> if I didn't have to take care of all these people? If I'd only known. That's a joke, by the way. Sometimes people take me seriously and I'm not being serious. Yeah. Well, that's honestly what I like about these. And I regurgitate regurgitate (laughs) a lot of stuff that Joe Rogan says just because he's like the podcast master. I've probably Mm -hmm. listened to every single one of them. But he's like the long form conversations are where it's at. And for a while I would listen to a podcast and I'd be like, get to the point, guys. But now (laughs) I listen to it. That same one with Lex Friedman that talked about getting the gold medal and then um, and then getting depressed. The, him and the guy, the master jiu-jitsu guy, they talk for about an hour on whether a bear, a lion, or a jaguar would win a fight. And so you're an hour into this, and you're like, I have wasted an hour of my life listening to this. But you really didn't. You learned about muscular hypertrophy in animals and you learn about you you learn all this stuff what conclusion did they come to um i haven't listened that far okay you didn't even get to the end there yeah but then the other thing is you just learn little things in life on podcast long form conversation i listened to um ritual podcast with robin arzone i don't know if i'm pronouncing her last name correctly she is one of the top peloton instructors oh cool she is endlessly fascinating so if you haven't listened to that specific episode go do it she i think it was two hours long i was glued to my seat yeah i could not stop listening to it she dropped like a hundred truth bombs that like hit you in your soul she's just so fascinating and all they did was chat about all kinds of i don't know all kinds of stuff oh i couldn't get enough i almost want to listen to it again yeah those are the best podcasts when you've listened to them two or three times. Yeah. She's amazing. Just FYI. And so top tele- Peloton instructor. Mm-hmm. She's um, one of the originals. Okay. And then top, meaning that more people just want to get her classes. Uh, yeah. Her yeah. Class. So she, she, I think, I don't know how many she does a week, but she records for their backlog of classes that you can access anytime. I think she does five live classes a week plus recording other content for their, um, I don't know what you call it, 
the menu, the the bank of classes. Yeah. You know what I mean. Yeah. And she's been doing it for 10 years. And she was, I want to say, a lawyer and then was, I believe, mugged at gunpoint in New York City and had a bunch of trauma, you know, a lot of trauma from oh, that. Yeah. And then started running and she used movement to heal. So she became a marathon runner and an ultra runner and then just joined Peloton like at the beginning. She is so fabulous. It's really cool. Yeah, super cool. Yeah, I love stuff like that. Does she have a podcast herself? She, I don't think she does. Uh, she is on Instagram. She wrote a book. Uh, and she's obviously on Peloton. She's yeah. running and cycling and weightlifting and all kinds of classes. Yeah. She did a whole prenatal thing because she had a baby while she was cool. working for them. It's super cool. That's way cool. Um, and you've tried out all the different bikes, and you're a Peloton <laughs> person, right? I love the Peloton. I'm obsessed. I've tried not all of them, but many, many of them. And the, the thing is, it's the classes. It's the coaches. It's the user interface. Yeah. That's what it is. So like the community? Yeah, it's, that... it's the community. The coaches are top notch. And I'm a numbers geek, so I also tried the Soul Cycle, which is mm -hmm. by Equinox. Yeah. They're a big gym in bigger cities. Like I think California has Equinox gyms in, in New York. Their classes are more like, let's have a dance party, friends. And I'm an athlete. That's not what I'm about. I want to know yeah. what my wattage output is on a ride. I want to yeah. know what the resistance should be. I want to know what my cadence should be. I do want to know how I rank against the other people. I want them to coach me to be stronger because yeah. I, I ride bikes outside, road and mountain biking. I need to get stronger and better and faster. And the coaches are fab. That's really cool. Yeah. And it's a, it's a huge company now. It's yeah. been nuts to watch the numbers. Yeah, it's been really fun. <laughs> it's funny. I loved the company so much that I was like, hey, Dave, let's invest $1,000 into Peloton. Yeah. Just like a single stock, just because I like Peloton. Yeah. And then it crashed. Oh, yeah. They were having that. <laughs> yeah, I followed that pretty heavily. So my $1,000 is now worth $200. Yeah. Wah, wah. Yeah. <laughs> well, there will probably be another time when everybody's locked down and you know, everyone will want a Peloton again. So, so. hey, be careful when you invest yes. in single stocks because I'm the perfect example of what not to do. Yeah. Well, but you learn from it. I And an, eight, <laughs> yeah. an $800 mistake next time. $800 mistake. At least it wasn't more. Exactly. It could have been worse. Yes. Yeah. You could have bought two stocks. Three. Oh, I could have lost <laughs> more than $800. Yeah. But it's all learning. Yeah. I mean, that's it. What was your first big mistake slash learning opportunity when you got into being a YouTube star? Oh, that's so interesting. Okay. The first mistake was probably not paying attention to what people wanted earlier. I just did whatever I wanted. I didn't know anything about business or YouTube thumbnails or the importance of your title. I just was, you know, whatever. I didn't know that if your video was over 10 minutes, you could have mid-roll ads. Yeah. I didn't know that. For years, I didn't know that. So I only like three minute video. No ads, no thumbnail, blurry camera. Oh my gosh, I wish I'd gotten a better camera faster. I did... I think I did YouTube for two and a half years before I invested in a better camera. I wish I could have gone back yeah. and, in, and done that earlier. Or why didn't I think to record on my phone? My phone would have been better. I don't know. What was the other part of that question? Missed, missed opportunity? Um, well, mistake? just a mistake uh, slash learning opportunities. Because, I mean, mistakes can are, are normally learning opportunities. Mm -hmm. You know, they're not just like, oh, I messed up and I'm never going to make it better. It's like, no, I messed up and I learned, which I think you, you, you did answer that because, yeah. you know, the mess up was not paying more attention to what people wanted, not paying attention to thumbnails. You are now aware of that. You've changed that. Oh, okay. Here we go. This is something I've been bad at my whole life is I, I have a very little filter. <laughs> I just say things that I don't think through most of the time. I'm not super eloquent. A lot of people are way more eloquent than I am. So I'll have a thought that's like half-baked and I'll say it and it'll come out wrong. And I have seen it way before I started YouTube. But just in my friend group, I would say something to someone and I meant it as a compliment and I saw on their face that they were highly insulted. 
and offended. And I was like, whoa, how, how did that happen? You know, how did I do that so wrong? So I've, I've had to learn over my life to think through what I'm trying to say and make sure that it's coming across in the right way. It's something I'm yeah. still learning. So I have said things in videos that I meant a certain way that did not come across correctly. Um, I joke around a lot. I say things that I mean one way and they're taken another way. I feel like I'm misunderstood a lot of the time and that's probably my fault. So that's that's probably the biggest learning hurdle that I've personally had is to try and speak more clearly about like how how is what I'm saying going to come across. I've put a lot of thought into that. That's hard. Yeah. Well, and, and I don't want to make your head big, but um, <laughs> people that are creative and kind of that intellectual creative mindset and mentality, a lot of times are misunderstood. Yeah, that's probably true. You you have and do something that's very unique, and if if there are and there are people out there like, well, I could do that. Well, no, you can't. Like, well, it's, they can try. They that's can what's try. Great yes. about social media, you can try. Yeah, absolutely. Now you've put in the work and the time and all of this, you will probably, even though you're working on it, continue to be misunderstood just because of your mind, your creative and intellectual mind. And mm -hmm. that's okay. Then that's probably something we just need to learn to let go. Yeah. Um, yeah. I've had to let a lot of it go. Even <laughs> I did this video recently that I'm, I kind of meant as a joke a little bit. Uh, because a friend that you know, a friend of mine that you know, um, said like, why don't you buy your kids chips? Like, <laughs> you can afford chips for your kids now. You know, it's not as tight as it was five years ago. And I don't know, something else. Why don't, why don't you buy more pairs of pants? Like, she's teasing me. It's a yeah. joking conversation because it, with my friends, we joke around a lot. So I made a whole video on it. Weird things I don't buy. Yeah. And the way I presented the questions from this friend a lot of people were like i what kind of friend would say things like that yeah i was shocked at how many people said that exact thing and i was like wow i did not present that correctly interesting at all because it was a hilarious conversation yeah teasing between friends it didn't mean anything but yeah. i was like oh that could be a fun video yeah but it just, just how it comes across. It did not. It so tough. did not come across right at all. So I'm I'm still like, wow, I really messed that one up. Even text messaging, though, you know, you'll text <laughs> message something, and it's like, this makes complete sense in my mind, and then they're like mad at you. My like, daughter second. says I'm a I'm a dry texter. <laughs> She's like, look at these texts you sent me. Look at them. Mom, um, I need emojis. <laughs> I need to know exactly what's in your head. So I'm trying to use uh, um, GIFs now to like yeah. portray that I'm joking about um, stuff. This is stuff we didn't have to grow up. No, you? no, I did not grow up with this. So I, this had popped into my mind and, and you were talking. So I didn't want to cut you off. You know? Oh, thanks. I um, appreciate that. <laughs> so uh, we were talking about kids and social media and everything. And our, our kids don't have social media but they'll their friends will send them like memes and mm -hmm. stuff so it'll bring them into Instagram yes. it'll bring them into TikTok and we kind of regulate it and we want to be careful and stuff and <clears throat> our oldest one came up to us yesterday he's like look at this this is hilarious your oldest is Lincoln. 13 uh, yeah okay. yeah um oh, he's he's 12 oh he's Sorry. 12 oh, i have to think so of this so tall stuff. oh my gosh um Oh crap! He's probably thirteen, and I'm a terrible father. Yeah, I have no you idea. are a terrible father. <laughs> so he's he's the same age as Tyler, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay. I just don't think he's a teenager yet. I think he's twelve. Yeah, okay. What grade is he in? He's in the junior high. Is he in seventh or eighth? Seventh. Okay, he's twelve. Okay, okay. that's what I was thinking. Yeah, yeah, you're right. All right, <laughs> I'm still on the spot. Um, <laughs> so he brings this up, and and like. I could see how it could be funny, and he thinks it's funny, and it's three different clips. It's a little girl on an iPad, like an animated little girl. Yeah. And she's looking at something, and and what she's looking at is when one of the the frozen characters looks through the peephole of right. a door. Okay. Then it pans to John Wick, where he puts the gun up to the to the, uh, you know, to the door. Right. And then it pans to another video where there's a little girl at an iPad and she goes, ah, and screams. Okay. So, I mean, essentially, in this four-clip video, a little girl just got shot in the head. Right. 
to him, he sees that because it's sent to a f- from a friend, mm-hmm. and he's like, "That's funny." And I was like, "Is it though?" I could see how some people might think that is funny, but I want to present to you what I just saw. Mm-hmm. I just saw a little girl get shot in the head, and he was like, "Oh, oh, mm-hmm. oh!" So it's so easy. They're getting so desensitized so early on. So I love that you're doing that. I love that you're regulating that and. Some people might look at it and be like, oh, you can't regulate your kids on this and that. But like, you know, my kid thought that was funny. Mm-hmm. Your kid would probably be like, that is demonic. <laughs> right, so. right. Uh, you know, about the texting and growing up with all this stuff. I I didn't start texting. I'm trying to think. I was 31 Yeah. when I f- like really first started texting. So like 10 years. I've been texting for 10 years. And these kids have been texting their whole life. Yeah. It's a totally different, totally different vibe, you know, trying to help my teenager like date when boys don't talk to your face anymore. Yeah. It is, it is weird. So her and I, my daughter's 18. She and I love Buffy, the vampire slayer. Yeah. I have seen it through many, many times. I've watched it with her a couple times. What I love about that is we can talk about adult issues like we pause the show and we're like let's talk about this scenario it's really fun way to parent actually because you can analyze the situation and explain Mm -hmm. to them how the world works but the point is we'd watch that show and she'd see a guy ask out a girl in person they were nervous they'd like go out on the date there's no phones anywhere they're talking to each other they're not distracted by anything if they want to talk to them later they call them on the phone and have a conversation with words And she would look at me and say, Mom, I wish it was like that. Because she hates that people don't talk to her face. They don't ask her on a date to her face. Yeah. She hates it. That's crazy. Isn't that interesting? At what point in a relationship nowadays does that develop? I don't know. Because you'll go to a restaurant. I mean, I do it too. That's the problem. You go to a restaurant, you look around, you're like, Everybody's on their phone right now. Everyone. Like this is probably their first date and they're just on Instagram. Everyone is it's on weird. their phone. Oh, this is interesting too. So we watched the movie, 10 Things I Hate About You. Oh yeah. Right. Fabulous movie. That watched, is a great movie. It's so good. Watch it with my daughter and we're at the scene where Michael, the nerdy kid, who's played by David Crumholt, I believe his name is the actor. He's getting ready to go to this party and he's like in a tie <laughs> and he's in a button up. And it's, so he looks really nice. He is explaining how he feels. He's like, I'm so nervous. I'm, I'm nervous, but I'm excited. I kind of feel like I'm going to throw up. Like, I don't know what's going to happen, but I'm, I'm scared. But it's just, it's, it's exhilarating. Like all of these feelings meshing together. And Haley made me pause the movie. This is where we pause and talk about stuff. And she was like, why doesn't anyone explain their emotions like that? Because he just explained every normal mm-hmm. human emotion when you're excited but a little nervous. Because she said specifically everyone blanket statements the way they feel as anxiety. Yeah. I have anxiety or or whatever about about this or or have it. And she goes that his description was so much more relatable to her because he put words to every single piece and made it sound normal because it is normal. Yeah. I've tried to coach my kids on, you know, you feel nervous about the party. You don't know what you're going to say. You, you don't know what to expect. You are nervous about this test. You know, it's more situational. Yeah. One thing I admire about you guys is all the extracurricular activities that you put your kids in. You know, gymnastics. Oh, bike, you admire you that. that. Sometimes yeah. <laughs> sometimes I want to give it all. Oh, me too. Oh I mean, they're, we're there with you. I have to... Every Wednesday, I bring them to Fat Cat's Arcade because that's how I can bribe them, essentially, to just happily go do all the stuff that they do. Do you guys play the arcade? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, arcade... Okay. This can go deep. (laughs) Arcades are stupid now. They used to be where you actually had to go and you'd throw the ball and, you know... Get yeah, the, it into the, the hole. The little or, ski ball thing. Yeah, ski thing. ball, yes. that sort of thing. Well, they don't want to do that anymore. No? They want to press the button. Oh, no. And watch the coins go down and then press more coins out to you get to get tickets to go They're and... not even playing Mortal Kombat? I know. They know shit. Do you remember that? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's like why the world is what it is today. 
Um, no more Mortal Kombat. That's <laughs> why. <laughs> it's just crazy to me. Anyways, going back, yeah. we motivate them to do that because we know how good it is for them. Mm-hmm. Like our middle one, he goes through all of those emotions in one day of going to practice. Yes. I don't want to go. I'm scared. Mm-hmm. Kids make fun of me. Go to gymnastics. No one really made fun of me today. I got a new skill. I feel good with myself. Mm-hmm. I'm really tired. Go home. Hey, how did you do? It was really hard. Good job. Mm-hmm. Like, it's all of it in one day, and he gets it three, four, or five days a week. Right. You know, I there are so many things you learn as a child from doing sports in your child and teenage years growing up. If you do sports growing up, you have learned so many more skills that are more about – they're not about sports. They're about life. So it's something I really push all my kids to do at least one thing that's active. I don't care what it is, but you're going to do something. Yeah. Have your kids ever done jujitsu? Andrew did some form of martial arts. I can't remember exactly what. When he was 10, Andrew's very uncoordinated. Yeah. So really the only sport that works for him is mountain bike. That's awesome. Like he has tried every sport. Yeah. They're all not good. Yeah. I thought he could run. You go in a straight line. Nope. <laughs> nope. Clunking like, down hey, buddy, the track. You, nope. Are you chewing bubble gum? Nope. Yeah. He's like, hey, mom. <laughs> he's not competitive, really, yeah. but he does love mountain bike, and he's pretty good at it. That's really cool. Pretty good at it. So we did try that one with him. Maybe I should get Ryan into that because Ryan is uh, – we're having a hard time finding one that's sitting well. How old is Ryan? He's almost 11. Yeah, that's a good age. Mm-hmm. I I would say gymnastics and jiu-jitsu are by far the best things. That, but, I mean, it has to be kid-specific, right? So right. if Andrew – gymnastics, jiu-jitsu is not going to work. Mountain bike's great. But the, the self-defense and the discipline that comes through jiu-jitsu, I've been blown away. And then mm-hmm. the life skills. Like, my coach is 20-something. And I sit there and it's about an hour and a half class because you do 45 minutes of him teaching and then 45 minutes of, of rolling is what they call it, where you're practicing. Yeah. And I leave and I'm like, I just had a stoic philosopher lesson. Right. And the kids yes. get it mm-hmm. and they leave and they're like, listen what I learned from Seneca today. I mean, it's not, <laughs> it's their coach. Right. But, you know, I pretty much talked with Hippocrates today. Uh, I think martial arts is fabulous. Yeah. It's really, really cool. Um, Tyler, when he, he's been doing gym, he's in his second season of competition. So he started kind of late. I have seen him grow by leaps and bounds when he started gym. It has been. You're talking, you said Tyler? Yeah, Tyler. He's, it has changed so much about him. He's better at school. He is so fit. The The kid is fit. He's got like a six pack. Yeah. Yeah. But it was it was gymnastics yeah. that really pushed that. When he did mountain bike the year before, he was like, eh, last 25%. Not last, but in the back. Yeah. He did gym for a year, went back to mountain bike. He's in the front. It's awesome. He's in like top five across the state. He is whooping his older brother's butt. That's awesome. Like he didn't even bike anymore. It's all gymnastics. Yeah. I couldn't believe it how much it transferred over. Maybe his work ethic. Yeah. His his ability to keep going, it's amazing. And if he falls off his bike, he knows how to roll out of it and not get he hurt. Sure does. Yeah. All right, we're back. We're back. We're back. We burned some calories on the way down the stairs and, and back up. <laughs> Chapsticked up. You're good to I, go. I got my chapstick. I got my drink. Looks like the video's good. We're set. So you just said that you don't do energy drinks anymore as I'm as I'm holding this rain. White gummy bear. They're so good. Which can I say, tastes like melted candy. Oh yeah, it's delicious. Yeah, they might put a little crack in that. You know, they might. What's the what's the layman's terms for crack? Because I'm gonna look on the ingredient list right now. So, well, it's crack cocaine, so it'd have to okay. be like processed coca leaf, right? Okay. <laughs> so you just said you don't do energy drinks. So what is this that's in your cup then? This is my. One of my life vices. Wow. Every morning. Yeah. So this is, my routine used to be this. Wake up, get a C4, which is like that, but. But not as delicious. Well, I don't know. I, we, we might have to rock, paper, scissors it. Um, so I would get either the Skittles 
or the smart, not smarties, Skittles or Starburst flavored. Okay. C4. C4 makes me jittery. Yes. That's actually what I liked about it. I feel like someone needs a defibrillator in yeah. the building if I'm going to drink one of those. Yeah. What I started to find, though, is that that shaky feeling mixed with the caffeine, mixed with nothing in my stomach except for that energy drink. Makes you crazy. Yeah, kind yeah. of. <laughs> you know, it's like what happens when you get anxious and freaking out? Uh, something happens in our mind and then our body gets jittery and our heart goes faster. And so I'm kind of like, man, I'm recreating that every single morning. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm not saying this is better. So so what is that then? This is a 44-ounce Diet Mountain Dew with sugar-free peach and mango. They call it the Diet Second Wife is until... It, is this from Great Scots? From Great, great Scots, yeah. They have great drinks. Yeah, so good. <laughs> until someone got offended that it was called the Second Wife, and now they call it the Over Yonder. Why would someone get it? That's a hilarious it's, name. I know. I'll still call it that sometimes okay. just to let them know that right. I'm, a, I'm an OG. So you get one of those every day. How is that better? <laughs> it's not better. Well, here's how it's better. That has 250, 300 grams of milligrams of caffeine. Yes. I was drinking one or two of those a day. Oh and, my gosh. And two of these a day at my peak of my like, like my, so four, four. Yeah. Two two of the Mountain Dew guys and two of these guys. Yeah. So probably a good thousand milligrams of caffeine oh my gosh how did you not have a stroke i don't know i mean i didn't sleep but i don't know if that was really that that's really but really now it's just down to this and i should probably even cut this out I listen just... you're into fitness and nutrition you know what the half-life of caffeine is well and i actually think i'm a slow metabolizer of caffeine oh so... well no wonder you couldn't sleep i know that's insane yeah. so i know, tried to cut it off at, i tried to cut it off at 12 yeah that's smart yeah on the days i cut it off at three I don't go to sleep. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it's as an adult anyways, we've got so much going on that it's like you you stay up that extra hour, it, it's going to hurt yeah. the next day. Yes, it does hurt. I am not. You know, I used to think all-nighters were cool when I was like 19. Yep. They are not cool. They are not cool. No. Feeling that bad is not cool. Yep. It's awful. Yeah. 10 years of working in the fire department. Mm-hmm. You know, you're laying in bed, you're relaxed, you feel like you're falling asleep, boom, you're on a call. High stress, CPR, intubating people, giving all the drugs, speeding to the hospital, bringing them, getting them stable, going to another hospital, going back home, writing the report, laying in bed, getting relaxed, boom, on another call. Oh my gosh. It's like, it really messed me up. So you did that for 10 years and I know you quit yeah. to do your what I guess was then your side hustles yeah. and you did your businesses full time. So how many years has it been since you did that? Three? Three. Yeah. And three as of like right now. Have you ever regretted it? No. Not ever. Nope. I, it was great. So I would never dissuade someone from doing it. Uh, I think it was great for my time. I think it was a great department. I learned a ton, met really good people, learned some great skills. Uh, I would never want to do it again. You know, there's a few jobs that I slowly let go of as my YouTube channel grew. And I never for one second regretted quitting those. Yeah. Not for one second. It yeah. was almost a relief yeah. to let go of something that was taking so much time and stress. I was essentially working three jobs for at sure. 20 hours a week each. Yep. And momming my kids. Like, I was crazy. So I dropped one. And that first day I didn't go to work because that was when I had to leave the house and go yeah. to work. I was like, hey, guess what, Dave? I don't have to go anywhere today. That felt so, it felt so good. Yeah. The last thing I dropped was my online teaching for yeah. a university, which was really fulfilling because I was really kind of helping students, which was yeah. fun. It was fun. But it got to the point where it took so much time. And for the pay that I got... It, it wasn't making sense to yeah. spend my time that way anymore. So I let that one go. And I do miss the interactions with the students a little bit, but I never regretted that one either. Yeah. So you're a teacher. You're like at the heart I, of Christine. You're a, you're a teacher. Yeah, I guess so. Because that's what you're doing now. Uh, yeah, I guess so. Or just acting a fool on camera and <laughs> putting it online. It could be that. It could be. 
But may, maybe it was both. Maybe you're uh, an active fool and you're a teacher, and you're now you're just putting them together. <laughs> maybe you yeah. found you. <laughs> yeah, I did find me in the process somewhere in there. Yeah, that's cool. really cool. What what inspired you to start your podcast? Or the, I'm the sorry, YouTube to inspire channel. You. Um, okay, so if I go back to the beginning, 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 I started it because I was consuming a lot of fitness content on YouTube, and I worked out a ton, and I was like, cool, I can do that too. So I started with fitness content. Yeah. No one watched me because what I learned as a female is it's highly sexualized. Mm. The fitness genre or niche on all social media is extremely sexualized. Yeah. You have to wear the sports bra and shorty shorts. You have to get the butt angles. You have to show off cleavage. You have to be pretty. Um, most of them genetically had a different body than me like i'm i'm very quad heavy a lot of them were very glute heavy <laughs> with thinner legs i just didn't have the right body for it um and i was no good at making videos also can we just put that out there and i i just started doing some other things i would do like my one weird skill is buying groceries for really cheap feeding my family for very inexpensive i'm very good at that and I did a little bit of that and those got views. Yeah. So I started leaning into that a little bit more and did a little vlog stuff. No one watched the vlogs. Like they didn't care about that either. I did a little travel vlog, which is my favorite content to make. I yeah. love travel vlogs, but they didn't watch those either. So I was like, whatever, we just won't do that either. And I, I saw what was working. So I kind of leaned into the food and ended up deleting all of the other yeah. stuff. So I pivoted. Yeah. Which is good business. That is good business. Yeah. That's really cool. And how long ago did you start that? I, um, I turned on the channel in 2015. I started kind of posting in 2016, but I was regular, really yeah. regular in 2017, like January cool. of 2017. It's really cool. Yeah. What, what happened during COVID? Did you grow? Cause everyone was home. Yes. But no, so I, my channel took off before COVID started and then COVID hit and I feel like it stalled it out. Actually, I was still figuring it out because my success came very quickly. Like I did it for three years and didn't make anything. Yeah. And then when I, in 2019, when I was like, okay, we're going to change the way I approach this. I started at the end of 2019, I started doing well and it went like, okay, let's talk income wise, right? So I was making a certain dollar amount. It was low regularly for two years. It was low. And then at the end of 2019, I saw in my first month of changing my strategy, it was 10 times higher. Cool. And then the next month after that, it was three times higher than the previous month. So I went up 10 times and then another three times. And then two months after that, I was up another 10 times. So it was... It wasn't overnight because I had done it for yeah. so long, but once I finally hit it, it was overnight. Yeah. From a from a financial uh, quote success point of view, and man, that messed with my head. Oh, for sure. For sure. Yeah. Dave and I were both like, "What is going well, on?" Probably all the emotions. Is this going to continue, or is this going to stop, or like, or like, or I don't deserve it, and yeah. and other people do these jobs for so little. Like, how how dare I and like the world doesn't make sense to me and like what's what's the best way to manage this gift and um yeah there was a lot a lot of conversations a lot of walks around the block yeah with Dave and I talking about money and how it makes us feel and it made us feel icky yeah for a long time um which I don't think is the point but coming from you know Dave didn't grow up affluent at all I grew up, I'd say solid middle class, but we didn't have anything fancy. Um, I actually didn't know how much my dad made until I filled out the FAFSA form. Yeah. And then I'm kind of like, why don't we have more toys? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I had a half sister, so my dad was paying child support and yeah. you know, the money goes, you know, oh, when you yeah. raise a family, it just goes away. Oh yeah. So, but Dave grew up quite poor and he was a school teacher. Like us together, we didn't make any money either. You worked at the fire department, you know, you didn't yeah. make any money. Yeah. So we just, I don't know, I just didn't know what to do with more, with more than barely enough. Yeah. 
because we dealt with barely enough for, so when was that, 2020, how long have we been married? 16 years. We had lived on barely enough for 16 years. Yeah. And so for it to flip overnight like that, it was, it was a wild ride. Ooh, Dave Ramsey said it really well. He said our, our income grew faster than our ability to understand it. Yeah. And that is true. Did it kind of put in a little bit of an imposter syndrome? A hundred percent. And how did you end up combating that? Oh, I still, still? I still feel that yeah. way. I, sometimes I'm like, who am I? Who the heck am I? What am I even doing? Like, I don't, like I said, I'm just out there acting a fool, putting it on video and sending it out into the world. So sometimes a little bit, the thing that's helped me the most is I'll get emails or letters, handwritten letters sometimes of people saying, they kind of tell me their story and how my videos have helped them. That sounds so, that sounds dumb if you've seen my videos because you're like well what has she had done to help anybody but it's people who who are going through a trial and they come to my channel because it's positive yeah it's a positive place to be i'm lighthearted. they don't want the seriousness people who maybe didn't grow up with loving parents and they see that it is possible yeah to have solid committed loving parents who love their kids um, maybe they have no idea how to save money and i've helped them look at money differently. They don't know how to cook. You know, they moved out to college. Maybe their mom died when they were young and they just didn't know what the heck to do. And I've helped them learn how to cook and not be scared of ingredients or the kitchen. So a whole variety of things, but I know I really do help some people. And that is, that's really gratifying for me and makes me feel like, okay, I'm I'm just not being crazy on the internet. I do, I do help some people and that, that helps me a lot feel like, Maybe I do make a difference to some people. Yeah, I mean, you definitely do. You you have to. With the kind of reach that you're getting, there are people out there that need what you have. And you're filling that niche, and you'll always have the trolls and the people, but adding value. You're so, adding value. This is a really interesting conversation because you're a guy, and I'm a girl. So we might look at this a little differently. But when I first became an online teacher and I applied... Uh, I did it at my husband's uh, push. He was like, I really think you should do this. I think you'd be great at it. And so I went up, I did an interview and I was in this training course. We weren't hired yet. It was part of the interview process. It was like a two week trial online teaching with all these other applicants. And all these other applicants had PhDs. They had been teaching in assorted fields for 20 years the whole time. I think this is something women do specifically. The whole time I was like, what am I even doing? I don't have any of these things that these other people have. What am I bringing to the table? And I really had a lot of self-doubt and lack of confidence in, because I was comparing myself to all these other people that did have all these things I thought would make a good teacher and what the heck am I even doing? And I shared my self-perceived inadequacies with Dave often and he was like, just be you. Like that's the one thing no one else can do is to be you. And maybe your students need you. They ended up hiring me and they gave me a chance. And I'm to this day forever grateful for that experience. I taught for five years online. And even when I started, I that was kind of my beginning of making videos because I made videos for my students. I did that before I started YouTube um, because I felt like like you said, I'm a dry texter. Like the texting thing's new to me. I mean, you said you're a dry texter. Well, I didn't. I didn't you that. didn't. But you know what I mean? Like we're talking about yeah. the texting thing. I'm better on video. Yeah. My personality comes through. My caring shows through. And I'm like, I'm, you know, these students just see a picture and text. They need to know who their teacher is. I started making videos for my students. And what was cool is I started a revolution on that platform because all the other teachers followed me. They were nervous. They, I ended up teaching classes to the other teachers on how to make videos for your students. That's awesome. And I don't have the PhD. I didn't have a teaching degree. I had never taught uh, officially anywhere. And I really, really doubted myself. As it turned out, my students really just needed me and yeah. no one else can do that. And I think that has followed, moved over to YouTube also. Yeah. Because 
I'm not the smartest person out there. I'm not the best looking. I'm not the most entertaining and I'm not the most creative, but I can be me. And maybe some people need that. Yeah. And I think, I really, really think that's something that women do is we doubt ourselves and we see all the things that other people have that we don't. I don't think men do that as much. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I would say in general. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's in definitely, mm-hmm. like, I, I probably have a more feminine trait in that regard is like, I do doubt myself um, a little, probably a little more than, let's just say that. That's my feminine I'm not, trait. I'm not saying men don't doubt themselves. I'm but not saying yes, that. Yes, in general, I think you were totally 100 But I, I think women undersell themselves yeah. most of the time. Yeah. Most of the time. We, we put ourselves on sale. We think we're not worth whatever it is that we should be worth. Um, and that's something I've definitely learned over the last couple of years. Yeah. Well, you mentioned it as far as social media and fitness and sexualizing fitness. You know, there's a lot of these ladies out there that probably have a lot of really good things to say, but then they go, well, I, I actually just need to show some cleavage cause that's how I'm going to get the money. Right. And, and so then all of true. a sudden it's like, no, I actually want to know the knowledge. Like, can you teach the knowledge? But the money's not in the knowledge in, in that regard. Yeah, that's, that's true. I have seen that as a general rule, you know, not 100% across the board, but yeah, for sure, majority. So there's a bunch of scams going on YouTube right now where they steal my picture, my profile picture. They create a dummy account. It has no – if they go to the account, they can see it's fake, yeah. right? They use my name, they use my picture, and they start – commenting on all the commenters chat me at whatsapp here's the number oh, you yeah. won text me on telegram which i don't even have telegram i don't even know what that is for your prize they're all scams because they're like send me your bank account information so i can send you your prize that's yeah. not me but yeah. they take my picture and my name and pretend like it's me and so I get messages all the time. Hey, I got this thing. Did I did I win something? And I'm like, no, oh, no. no the, these are all scams, and I'm trying my best to report all of them, but they are constant. Oh, yeah. I get three well, three new bots yeah. or whatever a week. Yeah, they're they're that's the problem. They're bots. They're not even people. That they're are not doing people. It. How are these getting through? I have no idea. I don't either. Maybe we need Elon Musk as the <laughs> Twitter owner. <laughs> Besides the people that will write you individually and mm-hmm. say thank you. What else is the most rewarding part? Okay. So with the money thing, we don't take a lot personally um, as far as the money goes. We kind of leave it in the business and shift it in other ways. So we have a few rental properties. And all the people that we've rented to have needed a hand. Yeah. And it is so fun to be able to say, hey, your situation's not great, but I'll give you a shot, Yeah. right? Sometimes people just have a bad situation and they just need a chance. And for a lot of people that need that, it's really hard to rent a place to live because a lot, they have a lot of regulations, uh, really, really strict rules. And just being like a person who only has a couple of properties, I can I can pick people, I can handpick people. Yeah. Um, and it's gonna sound so dumb, but I kind of have a gut feeling yeah, no, not well, them. One of the one of the people that we rented to, they on paper, we had several applicants, on paper they were the worst. But when I met all of them in person, I just had the best feeling about these people. On paper they're bad. Yeah. Right? And I had no reason other than I felt good about it. And so that's who we picked to to stay in our place and it's been great. It's really cool. So they just needed someone to give them a shot. I, I love being able to help people. I think that's the most rewarding. Yeah. So money is an amplifier. Mm-hmm. Yes. So if you don't have money and you come into a bunch of money and you're a good person, you can do things like that. Yeah. Or if you're not a good person, you come into a bunch of money, you can do a lot of really crappy things with money. I yeah. really think it's an amplifier. It just amplifies who you are. Yeah, yeah. If you're unhappy and you have money, you'll be unhappy with money. Yeah. If you're selfish, you'll be selfish. If yeah. you're giving, you'll be more giving. Um, it's it's given us the ability to give more than we ever have in our lives because we barely had enough to sustain our life without 10 side hustles, yeah. right? 
And now, now that we're taken care of, we can look outward and it is so fun. Well, and then in a way it can still be selfish, but in a good way, because there's some law that is written in the heavens. Don't know how it's done. Don't know how it was created. But when you give, you will get back. Don't know how it works. I mean, in, you know, in churches, it's tithing and that's how it's taught. But really just in general, if you give, it will come back. And so you, you don't even have to, you're not selfish at all. But in a way, it's like a good selfishness. It's like, <laughs> I'm going to give more. Like I'm going through a tough time right now. What do I do? I don't know. We need to find someone to give some money to that needs it. Or I need to give service or time in this way, or, or, or something. Yeah. Um, just, there's a, there's a whole bunch of different <laughs> cliche phrase, you know, karma, what goes around comes around yeah. the, the threefold law, you know, what you send out comes back threefold. Whatever. Yeah. And all of that exists. We've always heard it, but mm-hmm. I wonder who really believes it. I believe it. Yeah. I believe it too. I really believe it. I really believe that whatever you put out, you get back. So you put out good, your life will be good. You know, I think the concept of giving can be overwhelming to some people. If you have a family, start there. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. And I, and I don't think it's necessarily money all the time. I've, I run into a lot of moms specifically who feel overwhelmed with, uh, the thought that they need to be providing service outside of their household. And it's overwhelming to them because they have like seven kids and they barely slept and they can barely put dinner on the table. And, and I understand that life. I do. I don't know, seven kids, but I get it. And they're overlooking the fact that they do serve their children and their spouse every day. Yeah. So I just want to say, like, if you, if you feel like you can't look outside because of what you're dealing with in your house, serve, serve your kids and family. And that's good. That's good enough for today. Like do that. So don't overlook the good that you do in your own house either. I like that a lot. It's cool. I just know women feel really guilty about that. Yeah. It's a, the traditional stay at home mom. Mm -hmm. I cannot even imagine how hard of a job that is. It's like, um, it's the one I've done. Your, your wife has been outside the home a lot. Yeah. She loves business adding value. Mm -hmm. Um, but I mean that, that being said, it's, she's, still home does all the things with the kids and does all the other stuff she's Mm -hmm. kind of a rock star yeah i agree Um, she is a rock star but even the even the traditional stay-at-home mom with no side hustle i can't imagine how difficult that actually is it is so thankless yeah it is it's uh (laughs) okay so this is this is for the men that might have a stay-at-home wife like at home when as a stay-at-home mom myself, this is what I experience. You give and you give and you give and you give all day. And it's, I loved my kids. I love being home with my kids. They were my joy, but I was lonely because there were no adults to talk to and they needed me physically. They needed yeah. me to carry them. They needed me to pick them up, wash their hands, get them dressed, put them in the car. Like I physically gave to them. So when my husband came home and he's like trying to like rub my back or give me a kiss, I, I have given physically so much that like, I can't, I don't have anything to give anymore. So yeah. I, I would um, be like, ugh, like I, I can't, I can't give physically anymore. So if you have a wife that's like that, <laughs> which I've experienced, you need to verbalize what you need. Yeah. Hey, you look beautiful today. I'd love to like sit and cuddle with you for a minute. Yeah. You know, and then, and then the wife can flip gears from everybody's taking from me. Yeah. (laughs) And then you'd be like, oh, I am more than just a mom who constantly gets puke on them and, and carrying my kids around. I can be a beautiful woman. Mm -hmm. I can be a beautiful spouse. I can be valued as an adult. You have to have for the woman, you have to shift your mindset a little bit and give, give us a minute. Yeah. (laughs) Tell us and give us a minute. That makes sense. Yeah. I mean, you just early on in the day, a a good text. (laughs) I mean, not to bring this a, like a, a good, a good text. Yeah. Not to bring with, this with emojis too far, but, <laughs> but no, just also letting them know the value, their value. Yes. Cause I, if I'm put in that role for a day or a couple of days, it is exhausting. It is. And she does it every day mm-hmm. and she runs other businesses and just all this stuff. I'm like, I, 
moms are superheroes. They really are. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm glad that you do what you do. And thank you. Um, that just serve that out to the people that you do and adding all the value that you do. It's, it's really cool. And it's been cool just selfishly looking at it and being like, that's amazing. And that's possible. And that's cool. And just seeing, seeing you guys, it's been really fun to watch. I haven't seen the whole thing, but over the last couple of years, you know, watching things grow, it's just been cool. I guess that's the best. The, word for the it. fact it's been really that it's cool. possible to me is the most amazing. You know, the thing I've learned the most, this is what I've learned the most is, is I've learned more about money. That sounds so dumb. But I was raised, and my husband was also, that you go out and you do a job. You do your nine to five. And for some reason, my husband's family, they were, a lot of them were teachers. A lot of them are teachers. So he didn't know that you could do anything else. Yeah. And so we've learned about business. And I've met a lot of people, you included, that run, like own and run businesses. And that is a whole other way of thinking it's a whole other paradigm yeah is leaning into business owner mindset versus i'm gonna go work my nine to five job mindset those are vastly different things and i've been able to branch out and learn the business entrepreneur side i don't think i would have ever learned all that stuff if i had not done this yeah so i've just my eyes have been opened to the potential of, of just being a business owner in any field, in any capacity, in anything you want to do. It doesn't have to be online or social media. I was talking to you earlier about house cleaners. Yeah. My mom has a house cleaner that comes and does her house. I have a friend that's trying to hire one. People are charging $50 an hour to clean houses. They're all booked. Yep. They're all booked solid. You want to make $50 an hour? Go clean someone's house. Start your own cleaning company and go clean houses. You can be the scheduler and take a percentage. You could pay your employees $20 an hour. That's still more than minimum wage. Take a cut for finding the client and matching you guys up. You do a good job, you, like you'll be book solid. Yeah. What I love about it <clears throat> is what you've learned about owning a business. I'm pretty confident you could start any business now. I feel very confident that I could literally start any business and I would, I would crush make it, it successful. I yep. would crush it yep. just because I understand how it works. That's, that's probably the biggest thing I've learned. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. My, my eyes have been opened. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you, Christine. I really appreciate it. Um, where can people find you? They can find me all over. I'm on YouTube at frugal fit mom. I'm on Instagram at frugal fit mom six. I have a website frugalfitmom.com. I have recipes, mostly recipes there. I have a couple mini e-cookbooks you can buy. That's about it for now. That's awesome. Give for it time. Now, Give it time. There will be more. There's going to be more. That's awesome. Um, well, thank you, Christine. Thanks, and, Tyler. Uh, we should do it again sometime. I'd love to.